Hi, welcome to Bookie. Today we are going to unlock the book I Contain Multitudes. This book is about the impact of microbes on living organisms on Earth, and the partnerships between humans and microbes. When we talk about microbes, people usually think of pathogens, such as bacteria, as well as viruses that cause illnesses, such as tuberculosis, leprosy, plague, and variola. In magazines and popular media, we often read that stuff we use every day, such as mobile phones, doorknobs, and keyboards, are covered with more bacteria than that found on a toilet seat. These bacteria are said to contaminate our living environments, while also threatening human health. As such, people associate microbes with pathogens, and thus want them to be eliminated at any cost. At first thought, for many, it seems as if the existence of microbes can only means disease, dirt, and filth. However, judging microbes in such a way is in fact unfunded. Among all types of microbes, including bacteria, virus, fungi, microalgae and other microscopic biological groups, there are actually fewer than 100 strains of bacteria that can infect humans. A large part of the microbe family are not pathogens, and cannot make us sick. On the contrary, they play a vital role in preserving our lives. The existence of microbes is vitally intertwined with our own lives. They can be found everywhere in nature, on animal bodies and on human bodies. They are indispensable. Microbes fertilize the earth, degrade pollutants, and produce oxygen for us to breathe. They can also shape human organs, modulate the immune system and help us digest foods. If all microbes disappeared from earth, there would indeed be no infectious diseases, and many insects would die out, however it would also be a disaster. Herbivores such as cattle and sheep would die of starvation, crops would diminish, garbage would accumulate, food chains would be disrupted, human society would perish, and most creatures on earth would become extinct. It is thus time for us to change our perception of microbes. This book will help us understand the important roles that microbes play for all life forms on earth, and the partnership and conflict between humans and microbes. It'll also explain how our bodies regulate microbes to serve us. So sit back and relax, and let this book change your view of the world through a new understanding of microbes. The author of this book Ed Yong is the science reporter for The Atlantic. His work is usually published in popular science magazines, such as National Geographic of America, New Scientists and Scientific American. In 2016, Ed Yong won the Michael E. DeBakey Journalism Award for his prominent contribution in biomedical reporting, and Byron H. Waxman Award for Excellence in Public Communication of Life Sciences. I Contain Multitudes was nominated as one of the New York Times 100 Notable Books in 2016. Today's bookie will guide us through a journey to better understand microbes through the following three parts. Part 1, The Symbiotic Relationship Between Microbes and Living Organisms. Part 2, The Roles Microbes Play in Human Health. Part 3, Research and Application of Microbes in the Treatment of Diseases. Part 1, the symbiotic relationship between microbes and living organisms. Let's start with part 1, the symbiotic relationship between microbes and living organisms. Before humans came into the picture, microbes have existed for hundreds of millions of years on Earth. Our planet in fact has a history of 4.5 billion years. If this history was condensed into one year, humans would have appeared in the last 30 minutes before midnight of December the 31st. Mammals would have only appeared in early December, and microorganisms would in fact be the absolute rulers of the Earth, having appeared within the time frame between March and October. Then, approximately 2 billion years ago, 
two major microbes, bacteria and archaea, interacted and created the first eukaryotic cell. Since all animals and plants belong to the eukaryotic kingdoms, it can be said that microbes gave rise to all plants, animals, and even us human beings. We and microbes share a common ancestor. From the deepest trenches to the highest clouds, from plants, animals to human bodies, microbes are everywhere. If there were no microbes on earth, what would happen? Without microbes to degrade it, the trash around us would accumulate as high as a mountain. Without microbes to degrade plant fiber, herbivores such as cattle, sheep, and deer, would die due to starvation. Without microbes to provide nitrogen, most plants on earth would wither due to nitrogen deficiency, and humans would perish. As such, we can say that all creatures depend on the existence of microbes that live both in and around us. Microbes migrate among animal and human bodies, to the atmosphere, to the earth, into water and within buildings, thus linking us with this world. Different types of microbes reside in different parts of the body, from the surface of the skin, to inner body parts, and even within our cells. The body is like a zoo containing multiple different types of microbes. Each body contains multitudes. For example, the microbes on the surface of our skin are mainly Propionobacterium and Staphylococcus. In the intestines there are Bacteroides, and in the vagina, there are Lactobacillus. According to the latest estimate, there are approximately 39 trillion microbes in our body, while at the same time, our body is made up of only 30 trillion cells. Can you imagine? Microbes play an important role in animal and human development. Scientists have discovered that specific bacteria can in fact help shape the bodies of animals. In one experiment, scientists injected germ-free mice with a kind of gut bacteria called Bacteroides thetatiomicron. They found that this strain of microbes could activate certain genes, create blood vessels, mature cells, establish gut barrier and form a healthy gut environment, which favors nutrient absorption and toxin degradation. They also found that the development of the bodies of animals is not only determined by its own genes, but also influenced by the genes of the microbes. Hence, the body of the animal is the result of a symbiotic relationship between the microbes and the animal itself. The role that microbes play in the development of animals is not merely some form of being helpful. In fact, we can safely say the normative development of animals cannot occur without microbes. Scientists have found that animals could die when microbes are removed from their bodies. For example, the Aedes aegypti, a mosquito species with the dengue virus, cannot continue to physically grow if all the microorganisms from their bodies are removed. Having said so, there are those certain animals which are germ-free to begin with. However, these living organisms can only survive within a specific environment. It needs to be set at a constant temperature, have sufficient food and water, and cannot contain predators nor microbes that can infect the organism. Otherwise, they would easily die. Microbes are also involved in human development. When a baby leaves the germ-free uterus of their mother, the microbes in the birth canal will be transferred to its body, in which approximately three out of four strains are from the mother. When the baby is fed breast milk, certain microbes in the first mouthfuls of milk will make the babies gut their new home. There are many microbes that live in our bodies with which our cells and tissues interact with throughout our lives. They continuously build and reshape our bodies, establish and modulate our immune system, and develop and restore our bones. With their help, aging bones are constantly reabsorbed, and new bones constantly form. Microbes can also influence the development of the gut, vessels and brain, making them indispensable to the body. 
knowing that some microbes can benefit the immune system, the bones, and the gut, while other microbes can make people ill, do you still think that there are good microbes and bad microbes? This idea is a bit naive. The relationship between microbes and humans is a complicated one. Why do we say so? Because microbes are both a partner and a parasite to our body. They have a dual identity. We live in a symbiotic relationship with microbes, which has three forms. The first form is parasitism, in which one party benefits at the expense of the host. For example, a pathogen enters a body and makes the host ill. The second form is commensalism, in which one party benefits without influencing the host. For example, some microbes live in the body, but they don't cause any harm to the body. The third form is mutualism, in which the inhabitant benefits the host. For example, some microbes in our bodies help establish our immune systems. However, many microbes live as symbionts in all three forms, which has both advantages and disadvantages. For example, Helicobacter pylori in our stomach can cause gastric ulcer and gastric cancer, but they also prevent esophageal cancer. Some microbes in a specific organ can bring us benefits, but will suddenly become very dangerous when they enter another organ. For example, some microbes in the gut play a role in food digestion and nutrient absorption, but when they enter into the blood vessels, they can cause septicemia. There are some microbes that are safe for humans who are healthy, however when the immune system drops, they can then harm the body, even becoming life-threatening. As such, microbes can bring both benefits and harms to our bodies directly or indirectly. There are no good microbes nor bad microbes. Hence, the extreme opinions of either we must eliminate all of them and bacteria or our friends are both wrong. The so-called symbiotic relationship explains the coexistence of partnership and conflict between humans and microbes. As such, how does our body maintain a stable relationship with microbes and reduce the conflicts that may exist? The human body has developed different ways to regulate microbes, strengthen our partnership with them, and reduce the possibilities of contracting diseases. Let's now take a look at the two main ways the human body accomplishes such. The first way is by restricting microbes in different parts of the body. Each part of our body has different temperatures, acidity, and oxygen content, which determines where specific strains can live. For example, the gut is deficient in oxygen, so most gut microbes are all anaerobic bacteria who thrive in an oxygen-poor environment. In fact, they may actually die in an oxygen-rich environment. The human body restricts microbes by setting barriers to surround them into a specific area, which allows us to live safely with them. If certain microbes were to enter the wrong area in the body and live, they will likely make us sick. The second way our body maintains its relationship with microbes is by regulating microbes using our immune system. Many of us may have the impression that our immune system is like a well-trained army, fighting off pathogens like COVID-19 in order to protect us from diseases. However, this is only half the truth. More recently, scientists have discovered that the immune system also works like a diplomat facilitating communication between microbes. Such communication in turn helps the immune system better distinguish harmful microbes, like E. coli in expired food, from beneficial microbes, like lactic acid bacteria in yogurt and cheese. Our immune system thus functions not only by eliminating pathogens that enter our body, but also by managing the relationship between microbes, so that a desirable balance can be achieved. We have now covered the first part of the book, The Symbiotic Relationship Between Microbes and Living Organisms. Let us summarize what we've learned. Microbes are in fact everywhere and all creatures depend on their existence. 
they can help shape the bodies of humans and animals. However, the relationship between humans and microbes is also marked by both partnerships and conflict. In order to live in harmony with microbes, the human body restricts them to specific areas, and our immune system assures the maintenance of a healthy balance of microbes. Part 2 The Roles Microbes Play in Human Health The second part of this bookie is about the roles microbes play in human health. Previously, we mentioned that we cannot live without microbes. However, how do microbes influence human health? Well, the roles microbes play in our health can be seen in the following three aspects. First, microbes can modulate the immune system. Just as the immune system controls the microbes in the human body, it is also influenced itself by microbes. As discussed earlier, when pathogens invade, the body's immune system will fight the infection. This will cause symptoms like fever, redness and swelling, which are inflammatory reactions that can stop the infection. However, if the immune system overreacts, or remains active for too long without reason, it may damage the body's healthy tissues and beneficial microorganisms. This could lead to autoimmune diseases such as asthma, arthritis, and type 1 diabetes. Curiously, microbes help prevent this from happening. They produce metabolites that act as signals to receptors on immune cells, informing the body which type of immune cells are needed at the infected site, while also promoting barrier functions. In this way, microbes modulate the immune system to keep the balance between effectively fighting off pathogens and preventing inflammatory diseases. Second, microbes can influence body weight. Have you noticed that some people don't become fat regardless of how much they eat, while others will get fat after eating a little? Why does this occur? The reason is a bit complicated. Scientists have discovered that this phenomenon relates to the communities of microbes within the gut. The microbes in the gut of obese people are different from those within thin people, and the former may cause obesity. How did they come to this conclusion? In an experiment, scientists isolated gut microbes from obese mice and skinny mice, and then fed them to germ-free mice. They found that, the body fat content of the germ-free mice that received the skinny mice's microbes increased by 27%, and those that received the fat mice's microbes increased by 47%. In other words, the symptom of obesity can be transferred from one organism to another. The result of this experiment showed that some microbes in the gut can increase body weight, while others can cause weight loss. As such, can we lose weight by using microbes without controlling our dietary intake? The answer is obviously no. Research shows that, microbes that help us lose weight only thrive by ingesting foods that is high in dietary fiber, such as fresh vegetables. If you always eat fatty food that are low in fiber, the microbes that help you lose weight cannot properly continue to live. Hence, if you want to lose weight, you should do it on the basis of a healthy diet plan. Last of all, microbes can influence our gut health. Our gut health depends on the nutrients we ingest and the microbes in our body. A gut microbe disorder will destroy the gastrointestinal system, impair absorption of nutrients and hurt our immune system. The book cited a case study from Malawi, a country that has the world's highest child mortality rate. Half of these children die of malnutrition. Some of these children suffer from the Kwashiorkos disease, which appears as swellings of the arms and legs, liver enlargement, and skin inflammation. Scientists then investigated the microbes isolated from these children. What they found was that the children's body could hardly absorb nutrients with the existence of these microbes, which led to their malnutrition. 
They also discovered that due to the imbalanced diet adopted in this country, the microflora composition of these children had changed, which damaged their immune system that controls these microbes. This further caused microbial imbalance, destroyed the gastrointestinal tract, and blocked nutrients absorption, which led to worse malnutrition and worse immune system damage, creating a vicious cycle. We just learned about the roles that microbes have in our health. We also talked about how important it is for our body to keep the microflora composition balanced. Now let's discuss further what the factors that cause microbial imbalance also called dysbiosis are. As discussed earlier, under normal circumstances, our body maintains a balanced composition of microbes by restricting microbes in specific tissues and activating the immune system. In the event that this balance is destroyed, dysbiosis will occur and wreck the immune system. Under the state of dysbiosis, the immune system that is supposed to protect us from harmful bacteria, overreacts and attacks beneficial microorganisms and tissues of the body, causing what we call autoimmune and inflammatory diseases, such as inflammatory intestinal diseases, allergy, asthma, and rheumatoid arthritis. As such, how does our body lose the microbial balance that leads to such diseases? There are three main factors that lead to microbial imbalance, namely urbanization, a shift in humans' dietary pattern, and the use of antibiotics. Let's discuss them one by one. In the past half century, more and more people migrate from rural areas, away from nature, livestock and other animals, to urban areas full of concrete. In cities, many people also use disinfectant to clean surfaces and objects. This kind of urban environment decreases our opportunity to have contact with microbes, and makes us deficient in the microbes that can help us modulate our immune system. As a result, the body that is deficient in such microbes can easily develop allergies. Research indicates that more exposure to various types of microbes can improve the balance of our microflora and suppress allergic reactions. Along with urbanization, scientists have also observed a shift in humans' dietary pattern. Nowadays, we tend to eat less vegetables and fruits that contain rich dietary fiber, and instead eat more foods that are high in calories and fats. However, our intestinal microbes thrive on dietary fiber and can degrade them into short-chain fatty acids, which can activate anti-inflammatory cells and further suppress the overreaction of our immune system. If the diet is deficient in dietary fiber, the composition of our intestinal microbes will gradually become unbalanced, forcing our immune system to overreact and making us susceptible to inflammatory intestinal diseases. In addition, the use of antibiotics is a major factor in causing microbial imbalance in the body. We use antibiotics to kill pathogens and prevent or cure infections, but in the process, it can also kill microbes that are beneficial to our body. The human body is naturally rich in microflora which can form a barrier to fight off diseases. Antibiotics destroy this barrier and make us susceptible to infections. In developed countries, every day approximately 1-3% of people use some type of antibiotic. The use of antibiotics without restriction not only destroys the microflora in our body, but also creates resistant strains called superbugs. In November 2019, according to a report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an average of one person dies of a superbug every 15 minutes in the United States. This means that every year, about 35,000 people die of drug-resistant infections in the United States. This kind of bacteria makes the most advanced antibiotics ineffective. Certainly, we should not demonize antibiotics or keep them away at all costs. After all, many surgeries and medical procedures require the use of antibiotics. 
we should use antibiotics reasonably upon understanding the risks and benefits that they bring. We have now finished the content of part 2, the roles microbes play in human health. Let's summarize what we've learned. Microbes can modulate the body's immune system, which helps eliminate pathogens that are harmful to us. They also influence the body weight and gut health. There are three factors that lead to microbial imbalance, namely urbanization, a shift in humans' dietary pattern, and the use of antibiotics without restriction. Microbial imbalance can cause our immune system to overreact, leading to increased susceptibility to inflammatory diseases. Part 3, Research and Application of Microbes in Treatment of Diseases We will now begin Part 3, Research and Application of Microbes in the Treatment of Diseases. Better understanding of microbes and their impacts on our health and life on Earth, lead scientists to focus more assiduously on studying microbes. Through the cultivation of all kinds of microbes, observations, and experiments, they have been able to recreate new kinds of symbiotic relationships between humans and microbes. For example, scientists have found ways to treat certain diseases by replacing aging microbes with healthy ones. We will now explore three methods of utilizing microbes. First, we can promote health by using probiotics. The so-called probiotics are a type of living microbe that can help improve our gut health when consumed. An example of a probiotic product is yogurt, which usually contains lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Products such as this are often packaged and advertised by sellers in a way that exaggerate its health benefits, such as promoting digestion, improving the immune system and so on. However, can these products with added probiotics actually achieve their stated benefits? Research has found that, probiotics can reduce diarrhea caused by the use of antibiotics and shorten the onset of infectious diarrhea. However, there is no direct evidence proving that probiotics can improve the immune system, nor treat allergy, asthma, eczema, or diabetes as is often advertised by producers. The effect of probiotics is not as amazing as what the business industry says. As such, in December 2014, the European Union banned the use of the term contains probiotics in food packaging and advertising, as it was considered to promote an unproved health claim. Nevertheless, although the effects of probiotics are often exaggerated, the concept of ingesting the right microbes to improve our health is reasonable. Scientists are still researching and exploring the best ways to add probiotics to our diet to achieve an optimal effect. Second, we can use microbiota transplant to prevent and treat diseases. The basic principle behind microbiota transplant is to replace the microbiome of patients who get the transplant with a new healthy one. This will allow their body to form an immune barrier and thus achieve the goal of curing the underlying diseases. The book cited an example of fecal microbiota transplant. A 61-year-old woman was infected with Clostridium difficile, and thus suffered from a long-term diarrhea that forced her to wear adult diapers. Clostridium difficile is highly resistant to antibiotics, which means that it can't be treated effectively using antibiotics. At one point, her doctors decided to use the fecal transplant method. Her husband donated his stool, which the doctors transferred to her intestines. As a result, the Clostridium difficile infection gradually disappeared, curing the woman within one month. This woman's intestinal microflora was in a state of dysbiosis after being infected with Clostridium difficile. After getting the transplant, her microbiome adopts that of her husband's, as the healthy microbes from her husband's stool started to colonize her intestines, and replace the former microflora that were weakened. Currently, 
Some doctors and researchers are starting to investigate the use fecal transplant to treat other diseases, such as obesity, autoimmune diseases, and irritable bowel syndrome. Some commercial companies are developing transplantable microbial mixtures. All these represent the exciting future developments of microbiota transplant application in medicine. We may also be able to use microbes to eradicate vector-borne infectious diseases, such as dengue fever. As mentioned earlier, the disease is transmitted by Aedes aegypti, a mosquito vector that carries the dengue virus. This virus can cause fever, headache, and severe muscle and joint pain in humans. Currently, there is no effective treatment and vaccine for this disease, only prevention. However, dengue fever is still very common, even when various mosquito repellents are used. To solve this problem, scientists injected a strain of bacteria called Wolbachia in the body of Aedes aegypti. Wolbachia can prevent dengue virus from growing in the Aedes aegypti, and thus stop the transmission of the disease. The mosquitoes carrying Wolbachia were then released in nature, and the bacteria rapidly spread within the mosquito population. Since then, the scientists have discovered that there haven't been new cases of dengue fever in the areas, where the injected mosquitoes were released. Now more research is being carried out to use of Wolbachia to control other insect-transmitted diseases, such as Zika and yellow fever. Lastly, we can use genetically engineered microbes to treat diseases. During the process of investigating probiotics and microbiota transplant, scientists discovered that, the efficacy of these treatments depended upon the type of microbes present in the body of the patient. The types of microbes each person has, vary according his or her genes diet, and the environment where he or she lives. Hence, to treat a certain disease, each person will require a specific bacterial mixture, that is customized according to the individual's microbial composition and treatment needs. Can you imagine? In the not-so-distant future, when you go to see a doctor, he or she will prescribe a customized bacteria pill for you according to your illness. For example, when you are depressed or having anxiety disorders, the doctor will prescribe a kind of microbial mixture that can facilitate the modulation of your neural system, so that your body can produce the right hormones to control anxiety. When your cholesterol is too high, the doctor will give you a different mixture of microbes that can help your body lower your cholesterol. When you have an inflammation in your body, the doctor will give you another mixture of microbes that can help your body fight it off. Just like placing an order at a restaurant, you tell the doctor your illness and your personal microbial composition profile, and the doctor can prescribe a specific microbial formula just for you. In customized microbial-based therapies, scientists are no longer satisfied with using naturally occurring bacteria, but prefer to select those engineered in the lab, which are specifically developed to exhibit certain genetic properties. In addition to having increased potency to treat certain diseases, they will also be equipped with a kill switch, a trigger to kill themselves off if the bacteria are wrongly administered or when they leave the host's system. This is so as to avoid adverse effects in the host and polluting the environment. These genetically engineered bacteria will play a significant role in the treatment of diseases in the future. This concludes the content of Part 3, Research on Microbes and its Application on Disease Treatments. Scientists have found many ways to use microbes to treat diseases. For example, we can add probiotics to our diet to promote health, use microbiota transplants to treat gut diseases, and even inject microbes into insects to prevent the spread of infectious diseases. In the future, we may be able to get customized microbial-based treatment plans according to the individual's treatment needs and his or her microbial composition profile. 
Though some of these investigations are still in the preliminary stage of development, there is a huge and exciting potential for microbial-based therapies. All right, that concludes all key insights that we wanted to share today. Let's do a quick recap. First, we talked about the symbiotic relationship between microbes and living organisms. Microbes are everywhere and are very important. Without them, all creatures on Earth would not be able to live. The relationship between humans and microbes is marked with partnership and conflict. The human body keeps its microflora composition balanced by restricting microbes into specific areas of the body and using immune system modulation. Second, we learned about the roles microbes play in human health. Microbes play an important role in modulating humans' immune system and they influence our body weight and gut health. There are three factors that can cause dysbiosis or microbial imbalance, namely urbanization, a shift in humans' dietary pattern, and use of antibiotics without restrictions. Microbial imbalance can cause a variety of autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. Finally, we had a peek into current research and application of microbes in the treatment of diseases. Scientists are on their way to better understand the use of probiotics in promoting health. They are already using microbiota transplant to treat diseases and continue to look for more applications of microbes in this sector. In the future, we can expect to get customized microbial-based treatment plan according to the individual's treatment needs and microbiome profile. We hope that this bookie has unlocked a little bit of the wonderful and fascinating world of microbes for you. Now that you are better acquainted with microbes, did you change your opinions about them?